Hi, my name is Jenny Donnelly, and this is Shauna Danberg, and you've joined another episode of the Don't Mess With Our Kids podcast. There are mothers, dads, and all sorts of people all over the nation who, quite frankly, have had enough because the attack on our kids has gone too far. And there is a grassroots movement called Don't Mess With Our Kids that is rising in America, and we are inviting you to join the movement because America is in a crisis, but there is a solution, and we believe that you are part of that solution. And you can start acting right now by sharing this podcast with somebody. I can't wait for you to hear our guest today. This is going to be so incredibly powerful. But before we bring her on, I want to invite every single one of you to stand with us in your state capital. That's right. All 50 states on one single day on April 13th. You can go to your state capital, go to don'tmesswithourkids.us, register, it's absolutely free, and find out the details for your state. And what we're going to do is we're going to be praying for the nation all on one day, even in Washington, D.C. So we have 51 locations, and it is time for us to use our voices in the public square to see America turned around. So that's one of the things that we have going on. We want you to clear your schedule and get there. The other date to put on your calendar for 2024 is October 12th. October 12th is a Jewish holiday. It is the highest holiday, most holy holiday on the Jewish calendar. It's the Day of Atonement. It's the day where we will cry out for America for the purification of our nation. And we are asking that you again clear your day and we want you to pray with us. You might choose to come to Washington, D.C. And we know that women and their families are going to show up from all over America and either other nations to stand with us on that grass at the National Mall. And we also know that hundreds of thousands of people are going to open their home to their communities to their family, of course, and build a prayer altar in their home on that day. So I want you to imagine from the White House to my house and every house in between that we're going to cry out to God for America. We're going to talk about reformation. We're going to talk about voting. We'll never tell you who to vote for, but we want to help people through the process of how to choose candidates that will lead our country to righteousness and Ronald Reagan said, if we ever forget that we are one nation under God, we will be a nation gone under. And our guest today is Alyssa Brown. I'm so excited to have her on. Get this. This is a 26-year-old. She is considered Generation Z. And this is really unique. She is running for state representative for the state of Arkansas. Now, the thing about Alyssa is she grew up in a pastor's home her, uh, her, she was raised in Huber Springs. It's a, it's a one stoplight. Okay. Mm -hmm. Tiny little town. And her dad has been pastoring for 22 years. So she's been a pastor's kid. Well, when she was 18 years old, God told her go to Los Angeles out of this one stoplight city, not wow. a city town. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And go to Los Angeles. And she ended up working for four years at the Dream Center right there at Angeles Temple, which we just got back from. This was Amy Semple McPherson's church 101 years ago. She built this church right there in Hollywood. And Amy Semple was one of a kind for her day and age. She was a woman who did not let anything stop her. And she saw signs, wonders, and miracles and the gospel preached. In fact, they would have over 5,000 people in their church and over 20,000 
in Echo Park, just outside the building because people were trying to get in. They put speakers outside so they could hear from outside. There was a huge revival happening. And then God called Alyssa back from that four-year experience back to the state of Arkansas and asked her to run her office at 26 years old. And I cannot wait for you to get to know her. She is a gem. So Alyssa, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for joining us. You're absolutely beautiful inside and out. And you just told us that for this broadcast today, you were out campaigning. You were out knocking on doors. I actually want to talk about that a little bit. And you had your campaign t-shirt on and you came in to get ready for this podcast. But thank you so much for being with us today. We know this, Alyssa, is that I believe personally, Shauna believes this, is that God is going to begin to tap on the shoulders, on the hearts of women and say, I want you to run for mayor. I want you to run for a city seat. I want you to run for school board. And I think a lot of women are going to be like, wait a minute, God, did you get the right, wrong person? Like, I really care, but I don't know if I'm qualified for this, you know? And so would you just start by sharing your story? When did God, what was that? Was there a moment where he just said, Alyssa, we're going to do something different. We're going to do something new. I just want you to share how God started talking to you about this. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I want people to know, number one, that y'all's movement and the Esther movement is what literally um, sparked some of this in me. I had been working with a policy group at the Capitol um, that had approached me from a ministry role. And I knew what I needed to do. I knew what the Lord was calling me to do, but I knew that the cost it would come at. And without other women, um, other mamas and spiritual leaders, and also Mordecai's in my life, speaking and calling forth Esther's in a prophetical way, I don't think I would have been able to lean into that voice um, and lean into the Holy Spirit leading. And so I told you earlier, but I want it to be known again, uh, when I was making this decision, I put on a live stream that was from this woman named Jenny that I'd never even met before that I followed on Instagram and they were praying at the Capitol and I'd been praying, Lord, confirm this word, confirm this word. And I was in prayer and fasting and somebody went on there and they said, there are young women that need to run for office and it's time to become Esther's. And I knew what I needed to do. And so, man, my background is full-time ministry. I grew up a pastor's daughter. Uh, I related to David when he said uh, it was glad unto me when I came into the house of the Lord, that I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And I always said my dream job was to be a full-time church greeter. And I still stand by that. (laughs) And so never thought, never thought I would go um, into anything outside of the church, uh, but the Lord placed this calling on me. And so I was in Los Angeles, California, was working in the housing projects, was working on Skid Row, working with the Dream Center and outreach programs. And it's when I first really started to question some of these policies that were in place and how they were affecting people. Uh, Mm Because here I am working with 
um, even human trafficking victims and so many um, of our most innocent. And these policies are affecting them and not having justice in the judicial system. And you have uh, repeat offenders harming children. And I really start to see, okay, policy affects people. And if God called us to love his people, then we need to make sure that we're um, equipping the people with good policy to uphold the law of the land. And so that is actually what sparked it in me. I came from Arkansas and went to Los Angeles and said, Ooh, I don't know if some of these radical left policies are working here because I see mm. how they're affecting the people and came back home. And I actually was at, uh, I went to a, an event called Pastor's Day at the Capitol. My dad couldn't go with me. And um, and so I went there and uh, they were praying for legislators and they were praying over our state. And I met this group and they asked me, I didn't interview. They asked me, they said, hey, would you come join us for session? We're going to be working on some bills. Um, and it was next week that they started. And so I was able to go with them. And so I went to the legislative session here in Arkansas. The general session is every two years and a couple thousand bills are presented. And so our House of Representatives, which is 100 representatives, and our Senate, the General Assembly, they vote on policy that's going to affect the next 100 years of Arkansans. And I wow. saw many things. Um, I saw a lot of special interest groups. I saw a lot of um, corruption. Uh, I saw a lot of people who ran on tickets. And it really opened my eyes of we have got to hold our elected officials accountable. It mm -hmm. is not personal to pull out political differences and to hold them accountable. It's actually our responsibility as people of God. Um, and that's what opened up kind of the journey that led here. Wow. That is so powerful. You had mentioned when we were offline that politics has changed. You're 26, but you have, you've seen some things already, or you've heard about some things, you've understood some things. I'm curious what you meant when you said that, how have politics changed and how do you see it moving forward? Yeah. Yeah. Well, politics there is not just paving roads and, um, you know, tax dollars anymore. They, the language of the law, when they add definition in the law, it changes it for the society. And so when a um, radical group wants to change the definition of a woman, we may say, oh, well, that's not going to affect people today. We know better. Well, you've got to think mm -hmm. about the four-year-old that when she goes to school, there's not a complete definition of a woman. And so we've got to see this long-term agenda that some of these groups have and how policy plays into that language matters. Uh, we yeah. know that from the scripture. We know that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Well, the power of language and policy affects people. And so it's changed drastically in the last five, 10 years. And I believe that there's an exposure that's coming that is needed uh, because the silent majority has stayed very silent for many years. And we're seeing now the end result of so many Christians and so many families saying, I want to stay neutral and I want to just present the gospel to people. And we actually abdicated our authority that God called us to have in the land. And from abdicating that authority, people are getting hurt 
by bad policy. I mean, we see it with abortion. Who is getting hurt by this? It's birth mothers and it's innocent lives of children that is getting hurt. And so we've got to have that authority to go in. Um, and then with social media, we don't know what the next 10, 15 years of policy is going to look like with social media and uh, with the the harmful effects that we're seeing with children now. Our children today are facing things that they didn't face 30 years ago. Uh, and we've got to make sure in the law that we are updating that and we're playing a level of offense to see, okay, if a trafficker is um, solicitating a minor on social media, we got to make sure we have that language in the law to convict them. Well, I mean, getting exposed to policy really showed me how much it matters that we have people who love God and love people. It is loving your neighbor to vote and enact policy that helps them. It's not just these big moral issues, but we're all suffering from inflation right now. That matters to people of God, that people need to be able to provide for their children. And if they work for this hard-earned money, it shouldn't be having to give it to the govern government to pay for sex changes. You know, so it's there's so many um layers to this that you really want to dive into as Christians with who you're voting for, and then also having a voice in the people's house. Um, that's the that's the structure of our government, but we've got to fight to keep it, is to have this voice, um, and it's going to affect the next generation. But one thing that I think is interesting, and it's a narrative that's been used to silence the church, is that it's unloving um, to go into politics, or it's such a corruptible place. And I even had people when I decided to run for office who they only knew me from ministry, whether speaking at their events or um, praying over them, and they thought, oh, no, like, it's going to corrupt you, or, um, you know, you'll have to climb this ladder, this career ladder to even be able to run for office. But I reminded people that the same authority that I received from the Lord to call me into ministry and to preach the gospel is the same authority I walk in into the state house to announce and speak on policy and on government and the leadership. And if we as a church think that our authority comes from government to be involved, then we will lose it at every level. And so God has given me an authority and a wisdom from his word that applies to government, just like he gave me an authority and a wisdom from his word that applies to preaching. And so that's that's the, the idea that I carry. And it's so funny. I've seen it going at the doors. I knocked on doors for outreach for years. Every Saturday, I knocked on doors in the housing projects in Los Angeles, California. Oh my goodness. We would ask them, we would ask them, how can we serve you today? We can take out your trash. We're having kids jam for your kids in 30 minutes. We'd like to invite your kids. And so I got used to knocking on doors. And so when I decided to run for office, everyone told me, girl, it's going to be really hard because you're going to have to knock on doors and talk to strangers. And I said, oh no, ministry has prepared me for this. I can do this. Wow. Come on. That is amazing. I really see that your time at the Dream Center and you even being in that atmosphere where, you know, a, an uncommon thing was to have a woman you know, even now sometimes, right? Women leading like this, but Amy, even 101 years ago. And so I just feel like something just 
I mean, you you obviously had it built under your dad's leadership, your mom and dad's leadership, um, you know, them being pastors. And then it was like this whole new realm of something that you got out of those four years and now you're doing this. Um, that is really incredible. Do you have any thoughts around, because I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the idea that Christians, there's this thought that Christians are not supposed to infiltrate culture. We're, we're not supposed to go infiltrate Hollywood. We're not supposed to go. And that's what Amy Semple McPherson did. She went to Hollywood, built a church in Hollywood in the shape of a megaphone to preach to Hollywood. And then she would have like uh, tons of dramas and plays around the gospel. And she just came in with a, with a gift of theater into mm -hmm. Hollywood. She came in with the gospel as a light and all these people got saved and delivered and set free and healed. And I, do you have any thoughts around why people believe that we're not supposed to go into culture and we're supposed to just hide out behind some walls in a church on a Sunday? Like, help me with this. I, this, yeah. this aggravates me. I'm just getting real honest right now. It aggravates me. I wasn't raised in the church. So when I, as a young adult around your age, Alyssa, I started falling in love with God and I started thinking Jesus is the answer for everybody everywhere. And so yeah. when it was like, oh, you can't get in government and no, you know, we shouldn't like, you know, go, I'm thinking, wait a minute but Jesus saves and Jesus is the answer for everything. So why are we staying out of everybody's business? Like, why are we, why are we keeping to ourselves? Can you help? Do you have any thoughts around this? I'm sure you've run into this conversation a lot. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think that there's so many Christians today that they limit God to the little bit that they have experienced from him okay. based on their lack of, of maturation, their lack of faith to seek him out. And I knew Jesus at nine years old as this bold lion. And so when he called me at 18 to go to Los Angeles and everyone said, that is so scary. How could you do that? And I'm like, no, I've got a protector with me. I've got the provider with me. I've got the one who calls and keeps me. And so it was never based on me or based on culture. And if we have these outside eyes based on, oh, look at all this that's happening in America. We've got to shut into the walls of the church. We're forgetting who we're supposed to be looking at, the author and the finisher of our faith. And if we have our eyes on Jesus, then we're not afraid to walk in the darkness because we know that the light is going before us. And so I've walked in the halls of government and I've walked on the streets of Los Angeles where prostitutes were, and it didn't infiltrate me. I felt the wickedness, but I knew that I had the authority of the Father within me. But the moment that we cower down, it's because of pride. It's because we're focusing more on us. And at the end of the day, this is not our home. And we are only here for a little while. And I don't want to get to heaven and think, oh, Lord, I wish I would have been faithful on the earth. I wish I would have been obedient. I wish I would have laid my life down. And, you know, we talk about Esther a lot in these type of conversations. But we read about these Bible stories and I'm in a classroom right now. I'm in a Sunday school classroom. It has an upgrade, uh, but this is a Sunday school classroom that I was taught in when I was five years old. And you can't teach me about Joshua and you can't teach me about Esther and you can't teach me about David and Daniel and the same God that was with them. And then tell me Mom. in my lifetime to shut my mouth 
to hide in the walls of the church and not be obedient to the same God who is with them. And so we're teaching children in Sunday school, but we're not allowing them when they get out to be those disciples that God is with. And so I hope to change that. (laughs) I hope I hope there's an awakening there. Come on. I'm just thinking about the parents because I think that's one of the reasons why we haven't infiltrated government and entertainment and media like we should because mom and dad are afraid to send their 18-year-old to the world. And that's a thing too because you could have, I don't know if you could have because you seem so bold and strong, which I believe some of that does come from your parents, but some 18-year-olds could be kept held back if their parents don't allow them to go and do that. And so as moms and dads, I think we have to have the same belief that we can trust God to send our kids out into the world. Like he says, we're we're to be in the world, but not of the world, not, not of the world and not in the world. That's not what it says. It says be in the world, but not of the world. So we have to allow our kids to be in the world. But I'm just wondering, Alyssa, how is it that you started this process? You felt led to it, but for other people who are feeling called into government, what would that look like for them to, to get going? What, what might they start doing? Are there, I, I meant you mentioned something about a Patriot Academy. I don't know what that is, but you tell us a little bit more about how someone could get moving in that direction if they feel called like you did. Yeah. Well, first of all, we're so blessed now at the the wealth of knowledge that we have now to research these uh, organizations out. There's many Christian policy organizations who have been on the front lines for so many years um, that people can search out and find. And and I'll say also being informed, uh, being informed, start looking into these things. I know we want to be cautious of not just fueling ourselves with the world's news and knowledge, but it's important to know what's happening, uh, to have exposure, to see, okay, actually, there's some school board decisions being made in my city. And now that I know about them, now that I know I'm praying about it, okay, I have to run. And, uh, it, you know, that kind of charging, looking to where the Lord stirs in you and everything that I have ever done with government and this, it was all birthed through prayer, actually, of an intercessory prayer group. That was my niche is an intercessory prayer group for America and then for Arkansas and then for our legislators. And that was where I thought God was going to keep me is just praying for elected officials. And then I saw he opened the doors. And so if we're just obedient in the beginning, if we're just obedient in the seeds, then we can see how God opens the doors. But I don't want any Christian listening here to get stuck on the resume that the world requires. I had many people tell me, you don't have a political science degree. You you didn't work for a senator first. You didn't climb the ladder and this and that. Why would you think you could run for office right now? We don't serve their mandates. We don't serve their requirements. If God has called you to it, he will equip you for it. And as you're obedient, he will show you what you need. And I would even argue that if you don't go their way, then you're probably going to go in with a little bit better of a view and more biblical worldview. Um, And if you also know that your authority comes from the Lord, 
than when you are in government, when those special interest groups, when those other legislators and those other um, politicians, I know it's like the dirty word is politicians, when they really try to push and pull you, if you remember that God opened this door and God got you this seat, then you're not going to be pushed and swayed by them. And so I don't want anyone to get stuck in that mentality that they have to have the resume for this. If God's called you to it and he gave you a heart for it, he's going to equip you um, and start planting the seeds and plowing now. That is amazing. Yeah, I heard of Patriot Academy just yesterday, actually, and heard it was okay. a, a great place for people to start. And I think that is patriotacademy.com or just Google that. Um, hopefully, we can have their founder on here at some point because we want to make sure that people have a pathway they can start following. But I love what you're saying, Alyssa. What you're saying is we don't have to play the game that you mm -hmm. think you have to play. And, you know, that bears witness with where we are as a movement. Like we yeah. didn't do the like step one, two, three. We just said, okay, God, we, we love you. We want women to know you. We want women to use their voices to make a difference on the earth. And all of a sudden doors are opening and, and these are doors that we didn't open. God opened them yeah. just because yeah. we're being faithful with what he said to do. And I love that. I am dreaming right now about women and men listening to this podcast right now, just like you listen to that live. And I'm dreaming about them listening right now and saying, uh-oh, I think this is my sign. I think this little is tap, my nudge. Tap, tap, tap on the shoulder. Yeah. And I just want everybody listening to ask this question. Why wouldn't God want to put somebody like Alyssa mm -hmm. who loves God, who isn't going to play the, the fear of man game? They're not going to play all the whatever, the political games. You're going to go and do what God's asked you to do. You're going to say what he's asked you to say. You're going to, um, you're going to speak truth and love. And why would God not want those people to be, uh, our lawmakers and our legislators and our candidates? Like, why would God not want this? And then here's the next question. Why wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm so thankful that you um, took the hits, you know, especially the hits that come from the church saying, oh man, we got to watch out for you. We're going to protect you and maybe talk you out of this. But I imagine that you have had some people of great faith come along, probably your dad come along and say, go for it, do this because he, you know, they, they see what God has done in your life and they see what's inside of you. And we certainly do. I mean, I'm just sitting here going, man, Lord, get her in office. Okay. I do have a question. Um, you're, your election is coming up really soon. Yeah. And after being elected, can you tell us as a state representative, what is maybe one thing that you would want to get working on right away that you feel like, okay, this is where God has put me in and, and directed me to make a difference in my state? Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. Um, yes. So number one, hopefully by the grace of God, I am elected um, afterwards. I have a really hard campaign and uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat that for people because God doesn't just call us to easy battles. Um, right. And there are many days when I feel like, Lord, if you don't do this, it's not going to be possible. And it would have been easy to say yes if I had just a very easy race. But this was a really hard yes. I want to be clear on that. Uh, this was a hard yes. But I believe that I'm going to have victory in March um, because Proverbs 29.2 says that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man beareth rule, the people groan. And I met with my only opponent 
I met with him to interview him. He was the only one running. Nobody was running against him. And I met with him to pray over him. And when I sat across with him and asked him some questions, um, Hey, just on. really quick. We're going to have you just say that one more time after. Do you need a That's never water? happened in like all these times. That's okay. This is really powerful. Hold on a second. I want to hear about this in just a second. So Alyssa, we'll have you start back with, um, I met up okay, with so my, my only opponent before you, before you decided to run, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Just go ahead and start right there. Okay. So I reached out to the only man who was running for the house of representatives seat. And I wanted to pray over him and ask him some questions and just assumed, um, he's been a career politician for 30 years and just assumed I would align with him and met him for breakfast and asked him some very basic political questions and couldn't get some of the answers I needed. I asked him about his biblical worldview. I asked him about his plans in the legislature. And I realized from that meeting, oh no, I don't even think I can vote for him and nobody else will run against him because nobody thinks they stand a chance. And so I had one week until the end of filing and I begged my dad to run for the seat. <laughs> and he said, no, I'm going to stay at the church. Um, I begged my dad to run. I tried to get other men in the community to run. And I said, I will support you. I'll be with you every day. And nobody would do it. And I knew why would I try to force somebody else to have the passion that I. Um, and so it first started from exposure. I uh, got exposed to the truth. And then I decided to answer the Lord. And I had two days of prayer and fasting. And in between that week is when y'all's live stream went through. Um, and I and I watched that video. And so that's why I decided to run, because we don't know what policy is going to be presented um, in the Arkansas legislature. But what matters is that you have somebody there who is a voice and who is willing to look at it and can't be bought and will be honest um, and also bold. Because we elect a lot of career politicians that stay in office for many years and there's not a lot of change. And sometimes we can't ask the same people who cause the problems to start solving them. And we need some new blood in there. And I don't owe anyone <laughs> anything um, because of my background. And so I want to protect Arkansas children. We have a radical agenda against the children of today. And if you don't believe that, I think you haven't been exposed to it. I was exposed to it last legislative session. I sat in judiciary committee when there was five and a half hours of testimony from trans groups wanting um, to enable children to have uh, surgeries here in Arkansas. And the moment that so marked me in that room was I was sitting on the front row with the policy group. I was the only young person that wasn't with the trans groups there. And for five and a half hours, they gave testimony after testimony of why children needed these life-saving drugs. But what marked me was an older gentleman went to the end of the table and he sat at the end of the table and you could tell he was not transgender. And he said, I'm looking at this committee and I know today uh, that y'all will probably pass this bill. You're hateful, conservative Christians. You'll probably pass this bill. He said, but I'm encouraged because I look around this room and I see all of the young people, they are with us. We have won the youth. You will die off soon and they will replace you. And the whole room cheered. And I was sitting there in the front row and that man was right. Every other young person in that room, it was standing room only, was with them 
except for me. And I thought, oh God, if we do not reach the next generation, if we do not give them a voice and let them know they can be involved in a conservative movement, then we're going to lose them. Um, and so that is, that's the story that stuck with me. And so when I met with my opponent and I realized he wasn't somebody I could support, I said, you know what? I prayed that God would rise up Daniels and I prayed that he would rise up Esther's. And it was easy to pray that. It was another thing to answer the call. Wow. Wow. You know, that's interesting what that man said that day, because we have these meetings that we do called vision nights all around the country. And we share about don't mess with our kids. We have ambassadors that are trained that go out and speak about this. And one of our slides is a quote from Hitler. And it's mm -hmm. that, you know, it doesn't ma matter if you're not on my side. That's what Hitler said, because all of your kids are on my side. And soon enough, you'll be gone yeah. and they'll be standing over in this camp with me. Yeah. And so that is alarming. That is alarming what you just said. I'm so thankful that you shared that with us. And thank you for saying yes. You know, I look at, um, I look at Daniel and he wouldn't bow down. He wouldn't bow down in Babylon. He wouldn't bow down to a, um, anti-God culture and to an anti-God government. And yeah. you look at Esther, she had to go before the King. It was illegal. And so when the church is saying, no, we just have to do what the government says, I'm thinking, what Bible are you reading? Because my Bible is full of people who are having to stand up against unrighteousness and really be willing to fall on the sword, so to speak. You know, I'm willing to lose my life over what I believe. And so thank you so much for your courage, Alyssa. Seriously, yeah. this is so incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Alyssa. And do you have any last thoughts before we have you close us in prayer? Yeah. Well, first of all, I want any Christian to know who's listening, be involved, whatever that looks like. God may not call you to run for office, but there may be a godly man or woman in your state, in your county who is running and they need your help. Offer to drive them, offer to volunteer, pray for them, uh, be a part of it. There is a role for all of us to play, and it is how we love our neighbor. And this is our nation, and we are blessed to have it, um, and we want to do our part. Also, I'd say this, the authority part, um, I, I thought I was going to have to pray for authority and strength when I ran for office. That came naturally. <laughs> when I entered the battle, the strength wow. and the authority came naturally. But immediately I was faced with opposition, rejection, hurtful comments, misunderstanding, even from people of faith. And what I didn't realize I was going to have to pray that the Lord would equip me with was a spirit of radical forgiveness yeah. and to uproot bitterness so fast. I mean, within seconds, I have to pray daily. God, help me to forgive them. People I've known all my life, but because I've taken a stance on a policy issue, they have just thrown me out the door and thought she has gone off the deep end. And so if God is going to continue to use you as a voice and to elevate you in authority, you're going to have to die to your flesh and die to your pride and be willing to be misunderstood and forgive those. Because I've already had people in this campaign that cursed me on day one and spoke negatively about me. And two months later, they're saying, hey, can I knock on doors for you? And that's not going to wow. be the story for everyone. But I had to be in that place of forgiving them to let God work on the hearts that Come I can't on. work on. Um, and so that's, that's what I'd close with. And then if you want to run for office, 
run for office, do it, answer the call. Alyssa, I love how you mentioned though, that people can be involved by coming around someone who is running. We just, when we were in LA, we heard from Rob McCoy and he talked about this man who made thousands of calls for him and he won that election by 54 vo votes. And he said that that man said that you're probably going to win by about this many votes. And it was, he was right on and it's because he had made all those calls. So he kind of knew what was happening. Wow. And so come alongside, maybe you want to just serve someone who's running. I love that you mentioned that. I think that's a way that everyone can be a part of what we're doing in the government mountain. So would you just close us up in prayer? We, this has been so good. You're amazing, by the way. Thank you guys. This y'all have blessed me from afar. This is what happens when people are obedient um, because I'm doing something that y'all aren't doing, but I wouldn't have really been pushed to do it without your obedience and what you're doing. So father, we just thank you for God. We thank you for calling your sons and your daughters. God, we thank you that you are with us in the valley. You're with us in the mountaintop. God, you're with us no matter what. God, I just ask that anyone listening on this podcast would seek you. They would seek your will for their life. And God, if you're calling them to run, if you're calling them to step out in courage, God, I pray strength and boldness over them. We speak against a spirit of discouragement and a spirit of intimidation. And we ask that you would rise up Esther's and Daniel's and Joshua's. God, that you've called us to be the head and not the tail. And so God, help us to go into our communities and bring the light of Jesus and to go into government and bring good policy that honors you. Not that we get the glory, but you get the glory. And we thank you for what you've done and what you're going to continue to do. Help the church rise up in an election year like this. This is a moment for the church to rise up and be bold. And we thank you that you're equipping us for that. Help us to be obedient. We love you and we honor you and we pray that you get the glory. Jesus, I pray you get the glory from this podcast in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Alyssa. And we are going to pray for you right now. Father God, we thank you for the next very important few weeks. We ask you, God, that the people that um, want godly policies in the state of Arkansas, they want to see the righteousness of God come into their state, that they would be made aware of their vote, that their one vote counts. And Father, we ask you to bless Alyssa, bless this campaign, bless it, God, amplify it, multiply it, God. And we ask you, Jesus, that the people who have shut their eyes and their ears in the state of Arkansas to what you're doing, that Lord, that in your most, just how you do it, God, in, in a way that man can't do it, but by your spirit, God, would you awaken, open the eyes, open the ears of the church in Arkansas and get them to the ballot box, Lord. We ask you that Alyssa gets these votes. We're asking you, God, for Alyssa to get these votes, and we thank you for it, and we are excited to celebrate in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, my friend. You are really incredible. We are behind you. Thank you thank so God. much. You're welcome. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been an incredible episode of Don't Mess With Our Kids. I don't know what's more exciting, whether you know it's the fact that the church is waking up to running for office or if it's a woman running for office or a 26-year-old Christian All woman running for office. <laughs> this is so amazing. 
And so um, I know that this is a, a message that needs to get out to many people. Would you please share this message? Maybe with the person in your life that's like, hey, that person's always like leaning towards government. That person's always talking about, you know, elections or they're always kind of made aware of these things. Would you send this to them? Because this could be the thing that they need to say, okay, that's it. I am doing this. I'm running for office. And it could be because you sent them this conversation with Alyssa, just like Alyssa heard this live that we did randomly one day. Um, maybe somebody in your life needs to hear this. So God bless you. Thank you for being with us and we'll see you next time.